Welcome to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal. We examine things like habits of entrepreneurs, emerging trends, financing, marketing, where to get help, even how to get started on your own. If you'd like to talk about your small business, send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. Today's story is how some bars in New York City that allow smoking are still thriving in a town that banned it, and local leaders trying to prevent its talent from leaving for the big city. Those stories after this. The Small Business Report, Your Money Podcast, is brought to you by Privacy.com. If you're like me, you worry about using your credit card to shop online and then having to cancel it because some cyber crook steals your data to make other purchases. Here's a way to reduce those worries. Try the virtual credit or debit cards from Privacy.com. They work to protect my identity and bank info every time I shop online. In the last year, there have been millions of security breaches when it comes to online shopping. Privacy.com shields you by using their virtual network, which is held to the same security standards as your bank and is PCI DSS compliant, meaning your info is secured with military-grade encryption. Set spending limits, monitor recurring payments or subscriptions, and better manage your accounts. Head to privacy.com slash your money to sign up and start shopping. As a special treat for our listeners, new customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Yep, that's free money to use on any online purchase. Go to privacy.com slash Y-O-U-R-M-O-N-E-Y and sign up now. New York City banned smoking in bars and restaurants back in 2003, but a number of establishments that generated at least 10% of the revenue from tobacco sales got an exemption. Today, just eight remain, all in Manhattan, offering a smoky retreat in an otherwise clean-air town. Wall Street Journal columnist and cadet paid a visit to a couple that are at opposite ends of the spectrum. And what did you see? There were a bunch of, just a handful of bars where, because 10% or more of their revenue was from tobacco sales, they were exempted from the ban. So suddenly there were only maybe about a dozen places um, in New York City where you could still legally smoke indoors and have a drink. And a few of them are actually gone. I was told in one case the establishment forgot to renew its license. <laughs> it couldn't offer smoking anymore. But there's still eight places that remain. They're all in Manhattan, and they're all doing pretty well because there's still plenty of people out there who like to smoke and enjoy a drink at the same time, and there's there's not many places you can go to anymore to do that. That's something. So what's it like uh, inside these places? It was really interesting to go because there's such a range. Um, the first place I went to was a place called Carmel Lounge, which is down in uh, Manhattan's East Village, and it's a real dive bar. You know, you've got the red velvet cushions with the cigarette burns and the black plastic ashtrays, and I went in kind of the middle of the afternoon, and there's a bunch of regulars there eating chicken wings that they had brought in from a place around the corner. Um, I met one guy there who was a college professor who makes a 90-minute trip a few times a month all the way from Long Island. He lives in Long Island and he works in Long Island, but he comes all the way to, like, sit at the bar and grade papers and have a cigarette and a beer because he loves it. Wow. And it's totally worth it for him. This bar told me they get people from all over the tri-state area. So that place doesn't, uh, doesn't sound like it serves food if people are bringing in chicken wings. Does they only serve alcohol? They're not serving cigars, for example? No, they, or they have a little snack menu. Okay. Um, there's another place that's quite 
fancy called Club Macanudo that's on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, um, and they have a full dinner menu, and they have, I don't know, something like more than a 1,000 cigars ranging in price from about 20 bucks to $300. And if you're going to have a drink and a cigar there, you can easily pay about 100 bucks. Um, dinner, you're going to be paying a lot more. There's a $30 minimum because they don't want people to just come in and smoke a cigarette and have a Coke all night long. Right. Um, <laughs> it's also very interesting. You can rent a humidor there. They have humidor lockers built into the walls. It's a very kind of clubby-looking place. Um, so $1,500, you get your own humidor with your own little own little brass engraved plaque on it nice. so you can feel like you're, you're part of the crowd. I bet there's some famous names that are carved into those little yeah, placards. Yeah, a couple I found were... Um, I, I like seeing uh, Donald Trump Jr. and uh, Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, and there was Colony Pest Management. Okay. So, a <laughs> whole range. <laughs> Do they make money pretty much on booze, and then, what, the other 10% from, I guess, has to be cigarettes or cigars, right? The cigar bars I spoke to, they actually make a pretty good um, portion of the revenue on, on the tobacco. Thanks, Ann. And Cadet. Wall Street Journal columnist. More after this. This human resources professional is crushing it thanks to Kronos. And this is his hype song. You can fall back with the pack. I'm a leader pack. I've got HR, payroll, talent, and time. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. Now we are engaging all the best people. Last off to the front of the field. This is Kronos. HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at chronos.com slash HR swagger. On the eastern plains of Texas, local leaders are trying to stop the bleeding of talent to bigger cities. They're sprucing up downtown, completing 10 miles of walking trails, investing in parks and schools, and making other improvements that they hope will entice young workers to stay and help that part of the state finally claim a share of the Texas miracle, as it's known. Few parts of America have nurtured faster job growth than Texas in the years since the 2008 financial crisis, but that growth has largely left cities like Longview in the dust. Is there a balance to be struck, or is that interfering? It's a story by Jim Tankersley, economic policy reporter at the New York Times. Jim, what did you see in your visit? Texas, of course, uh, boomed uh, in the wake of the Great Recession, but that most of the job and business creation that happened was really concentrated to four places, Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio, and that everybody else kind of missed out. Is that a standard operating procedure? I mean, you, you named, I think, what are probably four of the top ten largest cities in America, too, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, what, we are, what we're looking at here is... Uh, sort of a pronounced example of a big national trend, which is that large metropolitan areas are really disproportionately, compared to history, capturing the fruits of economic growth in America over the last decade or so. Um, What's happened is that basically talent and um, investment is flocking to big cities, and so they are the ones adding jobs, they are the ones adding businesses, they are the ones adding people. And um, while I've written about more of these sort of longer trends in the past, but what what, what has happened before was that you know, a much wider swath of America would see uh, job growth and business growth when times were good. Now you see these, these sort of superstar, they're called, areas capturing most of that. And even within those areas, it's some very concentrated, like very high-end zip codes. 
really a case of the rich getting richer. And it's true across the country. It is actually particularly true in Texas. And uh, that's why we, we wrote the story, because I think that was surprising to me and, and to a lot of folks. And why does this happen? Is it sort of uh, is it a snowball effect, basically? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we're we're still sort of sorting out everything that's happened, but as as you have this sort of um, rise of the service-based economy in the United States, we we do less of making things and more of just doing things for each other and getting paid for it. Um, that advantages a certain type of worker that appears to want to cluster in a certain type of environment, and so. I guess the sort of very shorthand way of saying it is um, you get particular, like, young, call them engineers who graduate from college who all kind of want to live around each other in hip neighborhoods in, like, Austin or Dallas, uh, and they and, and so the businesses follow them, or you have a big concentration of businesses that they all want to work for. Either way, it's a cycle that, that repeats and, and builds on itself, um, and so you just end up with this uh, massive buildup kind of snowball effect. We're speaking with Jim Tankersley, economic policy reporter at the New York Times. This piece is called The Texas Miracle Missed Most of Texas. Um, so is this bad to have these concentrations uh, of talent, as you mentioned, Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, um, or is, is it do experts say it's problematic because of the of the gap between these cities and some of the smaller ones that have not done well? I think there's two reasons why I would call it worrisome. Um, the first is, I mean, I'm a small town kid myself, and I, I think that the, that small town America is, should be vibrant. That it's an important part of our national fabric, and that for um, not just uh, economic reasons but cultural reasons, it's, it's good to have this sort of. Um, uh, more places doing well as opposed to just a few places. Resentment can grow. Um, you can, I mean, there's just a lot of political, economic, social instability things that can happen when you have large parts of the country that feel like they are dying or treading water and then and then other parts that look like they're rocketing ahead. But I think economically, the other thing that, that we worry about is that like, it gets very expensive to live in these big places. So it's actually harder to be, sort of to hold on to the middle class if you're, um, you know, you're, moving to a city for a good job, but every year your housing costs go up 10%. Um, but, and, and that is often the case. It's, it's less of a worry in Texas, frankly, than in like California, where, where housing prices have just gone through the roof yeah. in places like San Francisco. But it's still a real worry, and, and we are seeing house price appreciation in, in Austin and Dallas that are uh, faster than we would have uh, expected historically for them. Uh, assuming that there are folks who would like to see this change, uh, is there anything that actually can be done? I mean, you can't tell a, well, a business, for example, not to relocate somewhere, right? No, I mean, there's all sorts of things that could be done. Um, I, I actually, you know, I went to Longview, Texas, out in East Texas for this, a region that I had never visited before but really enjoyed. Um, and uh, and I think that they have a, you know, they are trying to pull some civic levers to attract young people in part by appealing to the things, that, the advantages they have over the, over the bigger areas. Like, hey, this is a, um, uh, a quieter place to raise a family where you can have more of an impact in a community and where you can buy a house sooner and for less money. Thanks, Jim. Jim Tankersley, economic policy reporter at the New York Times. As a small business owner, you need protection for your physical and financial assets. From general and professional liability insurance to business owners and commercial auto policies, GEICO can help. Go to GEICOcommercial.com for your free quote and see how much you could save today. Michigan is one of the best places in the country to do business. But you don't have to take our word for it. Take Petty Poppies, president and CEO of Consumers Energy, instead. 
all of the innovation that's occurring around robotics, AI, it's happening here in Michigan. We have chemical companies, we have pharmaceutical companies, we have medical device manufacturers. Michigan is a magnet for innovators and dreamers. Big things are happening in business here. Find out why by searching Michigan Pure Opportunity. Reminder, by the way, the Small Business Report is found on our website this morning with GordonDeal.com. That's also where you can hear our daily news program called This Morning, America's First News. Again, if you'd like to share your small business story, send me an email at gdeal at compassmedianetworks.com. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Report. I'm Gordon Deal.